Apollo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin has six lines to fit your style and financing to fit any budget. Through November 30th, choose 12 months, no payments and no interest, plus 20% off installation. Set your free consultation now at PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So glad to have you with us. Yeah, batting down the hatches. We've got warm weather, but... These high wind warnings are kind of scary for tonight, and they're predicting gusts of in the neighborhood of 60 miles an hour. And like you hear, that's the type of thing that sometimes power lines come down and things like that. So uh, just kind of batten down the hatches and be prepared for what could be a long evening. All right, let us get started. There's no question that everybody is burned out about COVID. It's been going uh, really going on two years now. And I think there was a situation where people thought maybe we were turning the corner on this. And, and it was like, okay, first of all, we, we need to develop the vaccinations. And now we've developed the vaccinations. And it turns out it doesn't look like we're we're turning the quarter. And then it's like, okay, we need to get more people vaccinated. Then we get need more people have booster shots. And so now people are starting to get booster shots. Well, okay, still the numbers are rising. Well, we need to have more teenagers that are um, vaccinated. Well, we make vaccinations available to teenagers. That hasn't stopped the problem. Now, young people, people, um, you know, the preteens, now they're eligible for vaccinations and still the numbers are increasing. And I think there's a lot of genuine frustration out there about people who are wondering, is this going to be really the, the normal for the next several years? And how do we end up living with COVID, I mean, or, or do we just not do it? Do we just say, okay, we're we're going to you know retreat into shelters and we're not going to interact with each other um, because we recognize that this virus is, is out there? Or do we have to figure out, well, look, we, we want to be smart about this. We want to get vaccinated. We want to do the best we can to avoid people getting sick. But we have to realize that this is going to be a part of our life for the foreseeable future. Well, all right. The other day we talked about Philadelphia. Philadelphia joined Los Angeles and New York a couple days ago in essentially creating rules that if you want to go into a restaurant, you now have to prove that you are are vaccinated. That's the that's the rule. Got to have the vaccination card to get in. And we discussed whether that was an overreaction or not. Well, okay, Philadelphia is now taking it a step farther. Here's the Philadelphia Health Commissioner. Um, Here's the story. Uh, Today, Philadelphia health officials are warning residents against hosting holiday gatherings involving multiple households due to a recent increase in COVID-19 cases in Philadelphia and across the um, rest of Pennsylvania. Dr. Cheryl Bettigoli issued a plea during their response briefing. Our contact tracing tells us that these gatherings, that would be Thanksgiving with the family and with friends, these gatherings when we get together with friends and family are when we infect each other with COVID. Now, let me just just stop there for a minute. When we were talking about the vaccination requirements, you have to prove that you're vaccinated to go to bars and restaurants. That was one of the points I was making, which was, all right, show me the empirical evidence. Is COVID really being transmitted in bars and restaurants as opposed to to gatherings and things of the like. And and if it's not a problem in bars and restaurants versus 
I don't know, people going to churches or people going to basketball games or whatever, why do you single out bars and restaurants? So now they're saying our contact tracing tells us these gatherings, these would be family gatherings or getting together with your friends. When we gather together with friends and families are when we infect each other with COVID. We saw it with Thanksgiving. And I worry, this is the Philadelphia Health Commissioner, I worry that people who were getting together then likely contributed to the cases we're seeing now. All right, so here's what they say. Please do not get together with other households for Christmas. Please do not get together with other households for Christmas. So they are asking you not to visit your kids. They're asking you not to have your relatives over. They're saying don't have your friends over. She added that if you do elect to get together with members of other households, gatherings should be kept small, and those attending should take rapid tests before they come. Anyone who feels even a little unwell should stay at home. Residents were also urged not to hold or attend holiday parties indoor, indoors. Instead, profess your brotherly love and sisterly affection by wearing your mask, avoiding crowded indoor spaces, staying home if you're sick, and getting every dose of COVID vaccine that you're eligible for. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, how do you react to things like this? If you, for example, like I am, fully vaccinated, had your booster shot, all right, are, are you not going to, I don't know, go over to your kid's house for Thanksgiving? Are you not going to have friends in the neighborhood over for Thanksgiving, for for Christmas or for Christmas Eve? Are you not going to attend a a Christmas party? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this an unrealistic overreaction? Or will people listen and pay attention to this? Essentially, they're saying, we recommend you, you really you cancel Christmas. You can get together with the people who are in your family, but don't have mom and dad over. Don't have your brother over. Don't have your sister over. Don't have your cousins over. 855-616-1620. How realistic is that? And would you be prepared to follow that advice if Wisconsin officials started recommending it? 855-616-1620. We discuss. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, Philadelphia, the health commissioner has just released a recommendation that essentially says vaccinated, boosted, regardless, antibiotic antibodies, whatever, you should not gather with people outside your immediate household for Christmas. So no going over to grandmother's house with, with gifts. No having neighbors in for uh, Christmas Eve. No having, you know, again, no, no traveling anywhere. Just stay put and, and do not socialize at all. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think for the vast majority of people, it, it's just that that is... Making that recommendation to me just does not appreciate where the general public is with this issue anymore. And I guess it does kind of raise these questions where you say, wait a minute. I mean, if that's 
what public health people are telling you. What, what about those of us who followed all the rules? What about all of us who went out and got our two, got our, got vaccinated, got fully dosed? What about everybody that's got the booster shot? You're now telling us that even though you've gotten vaccinated, even though you've got the booster shot, you're, you're not supposed to, I don't know, go over to your, parents house on on christmas or you can't get together with friends i mean i guess to me by putting out recommendations like that quite frankly first of all i think the vast majority of people aren't going to follow it but secondly it it seems to me it's almost counterproductive because we're telling everybody get your shots get get your boosters and then we are at least by implication suggesting that even if you've done all that none of that's going to work because if you go out and you socialize in a in a setting you're you're still likely to get sick 855-616-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line jeff i'm vaccinated booster and will be going out to christmas parties and new year's eve parties i'm going to ireland for saint patrick's day i'm if i'm not supposed to do all these things what was the point of getting all those shots and i I think that's 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 a fair question to ask now i think from a public health perspective it's perfectly reasonable to say caution people hey look we've got you know, we, we've got the, the latest variant that, that's around here. We're still trying to figure out the variant. One of the things that we know is that people who have fully vaccinated and that people who have their shot, who have their boosters, by and large, even though it is possible that they can be breakthrough cases, they're much less likely to be hospitalized. That's why we want you to do all these things because you enhance the protection that you have. I, I think that's, that's a reasonable approach and maybe that's this kind of care. But to say, even if you are fully vaccinated, don't don't go see your kids. Don't, you know, have friends over. Don't attend these parties. To me, it it just simply is probably an admission that um, you're you're that these things don't work. And I don't believe that that's the case. But I think that's the message that gets sent. Jeff, how ironic that you can't gather with family, but 80,000 people can gather on Christmas Day at Lambeau Field. Right. Or or this is Philadelphia. Okay, to to watch the the Philadelphia football team play or the Eagles play or, you know, what's this going to mean for people who attend the basketball games or the hockey games? Are are we going to tell them that, no, you can't go to any of those things? Because, again, they're they're an indoor sort of setting. I just don't think these public Public health officials recognize reality when they talk about this. Jeff, in the spirit of the season, channeling Charlie Brown, good grief, when is enough enough? Flattening the curve has gone to a level I can't comprehend. People know the risk and have chosen to get the shot or not. Let's move on. What's next? An IV bag attached to get us a constant drip of vaccine? Well, look, I I, I appreciate that hospitals are overwhelmed. I, I get that this is a concern. It's one of the reasons why I think it is perfectly reasonable to continue to recommend that people get vaccinated or get the booster shots or things like that. And I know there are maybe you're listening to me and you say, no, I've already decided I'm not getting vaccinated. I'm willing to take that risk. Okay, that's a whole different story. But to say in general, vaccinated, unvaccinated, you're not going to be in a position and we're not going to we're going to recommend that you you don't get together outside your household for Christmas. Huh. Um, Jeff, unfortunately, with only 56% of Wisconsinites fully vaccinated, um, yet when I am out and about, about 98% of my fellow Wisconsinites aren't wearing masks or taking coronavirus seriously, hence the full hospitals. 
Well, okay. Actually, I think we're closer to 60%. But regardless, Jeff, the so-called experts change their story from not getting or passing on to not being hospitalized or dying if you get vaccinated. Um, All right. Again, we have to figure out, I think, how you live with this. Let's talk to Jim in Port Washington. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, how you doing? Good. What do you think? Well, I can tell you, we normally host Thanksgiving, and uh, it's probably 14 family members or so, and we haven't done it the last couple of years, and uh, this year we decided to hold off once more because they had a family member going for a hip surgery mm-hmm. later. Um, two days before Thanksgiving, the wife wasn't feeling good, and my wife and I were fully, you know, had the two shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, she started feeling bad. Yeah, two days later, she's feeling okay. And then the Friday after Thanksgiving, I started feeling a little crappy. Mm-hmm. So we thought on Saturday morning we went and we both got tested and we were both positive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a way, if we would have had the Thanksgiving group, we might have passed it on to who knows how many. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 but, I understand. Um, so yeah. You, yeah. But I guess the question is, so all right, let, let's talk about Christmas. Are, are you not going to get together with your family for Christmas? Uh, we don't know yet. Yeah, we don't know yet. Yeah, okay. We have some in the family that don't vaccinate it and some that do. And then so we'll probably just play by year yet, you know. Yeah, no, I do. No, thanks. And again, see, first of all, I, the, the one part of that recommendation that I think we should all agree with is that if you're not feeling well, <laughs> you know, you, you, you shouldn't go out into the, these parties. I mean, I don't think anybody should be arguing with that. If you think you're sick, just just stay the heck home. So, uh, and, and I understand there's going to be some people who end up ignoring that. But at the same time, for example, in, you know, the, the people that I'm going to be getting together with on, on Christmas Eve, and yeah, we're going ahead with our Christmas plans on on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day, I, I I know that everybody is vaccinated. Now, does that mean that somebody can't come down with one of the breakthrough cases? Well, no, I, I guess that's a, a possibility. But again, as I go back to what I said earlier, the reason the reason I got vaccinated, the reason I, I got my booster shot is that I, I want to start living life with some sense of normalcy. And I guess as somebody who's fully vaccinated in every sense of the word, who also had a mild case of COVID, and I knock on wood, thank you, I guess I'm, I'm willing to take this risk that even if somehow I end up being one of these breakthrough cases, and I acknowledge that they're out there, even if I'm somebody that gets one of those types of breakthrough cases, what's going to happen is it's going to be mild. And and, and maybe maybe that won't be the case. I, I understand that. But from my perspective, that's not going to stop me from living my life. But the bigger picture is, will, will, will that change people's approach to things? And do these health officials really need to kind of step back and think, okay, what is the real world and what are people going to hear? And as I said earlier, the bigger concern that I have with this is we're telling people, get vaccinated to protect yourself. We're telling people, get the booster shots to protect yourself. But then we're saying, even if you're fully vaccinated and you've got a booster shot, don't, don't, 
don't go to gatherings, even if everybody else at those gatherings is vaccinated and has their booster shot, which to me, again, is just a reflection of maybe the sentiment that uh, are we telling people that they don't work, which I don't believe, by the way. But I just wonder if that's one of the subliminal messages that is, in fact, out there. Bottom line is, my guess is if you turn on a Philadelphia Eagles football game or you watch a 76ers basketball game or you watch a Philadelphia Flyers hockey game, you're going to see the stands are, in fact, packed. And you are going to see, you know, people just continuing to make their plans to go to Christmas dinner at their families' houses or to get together with friends. And when the public health officials, I think, have this disconnect and they're saying things that people just clearly, at least in my opinion, by and large, are not going to follow, that they just do the whole thing. They do a huge disservice. Now, look, if you have somebody who is particularly vulnerable, I mean, you've got the situation where you've got the you know, your 85-year-old grandmother who has a number of underlying health conditions, well, well, yeah, maybe as long as COVID's going around, even if you're vaccinated, you know, maybe maybe it, it's best to say, okay, we're, we're going to limit the contact with the people who are the most vulnerable. That is unfortunate, but it's also kind of one of the realities, I think, that's going on there. But otherwise, you know, are other people going to follow this? Just don't think so. And I think public health officials, no matter how well-intended, make themselves look silly when they come out and they say these things and they urge people to do stuff, which most people simply aren't going to do anymore. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This weekend is your first chance to hear the brand new WTMJ holiday radio show, It's a Wonderful Career, starring Gene Miller and the WTMJ players, plus surprise visits from some of your favorite personalities around the Badger State. Tune in this Saturday at 4 and Sunday at 9 for the WTMJ holiday radio show, It's a Wonderful Career, sponsored by Gruber Law Offices, Drake & Associates, and Dave Drake Camp Heating. Also, this benefits Capco's Kids to Kids Toy Drive. We were just swamped with with texts on this last topic. Let me me give you, for example, one that's indicative of the dozens and dozens and dozens of texts we received. This is from one of our listeners, uh, Laura, in Las Vegas. Jeff, my husband and I will be flying back to Wisconsin to spend Christmas with family. There will be three sets of family from different cities. We are all vaccinated, and most of us are boosted. Enough is enough. The government telling us how to live our lives. It is our choice. The last time I checked, this country was founded on freedom of beliefs. That's from Laura. But that's kind of representative of the stuff. Look, I, I think, you know, you have to be conscious. You have to be aware of COVID. And I think it's a perfectly appropriate for public health officials to give all sorts of advice. But at the same time, you know, it doesn't there need to be a reality check that's out there? And to tell people, okay, this will now be, you know, another Christmas, the second Christmas in a row, that despite the fact that we have vaccinations, despite the fact that we have boosters, we don't want you to get together outside your family, immediate family group. Well, people just tune it out. And once people start tuning you out, when you say stuff like that, they tune you out on other stuff, like the advice that does make sense. Like, hey, if you're sick, if you don't feel good, stay home. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. (laughs) 
Okay, before we ring in a new year, let's take one last look back. The 10th Annual Wisconsin Sports Awards presents History Made. It's a celebration of Milwaukee's first title in 50 years and the best in high school, college, and professional sports across the state of Wisconsin. Join ESPN Wisconsin's Jen Latta and Wisconsin's biggest stars on Saturday, December 18th at 1 a.m. on TMJ4 for the 10th Annual Wisconsin Sports Awards presented by UW Credit Union jockey Pella Windows and Door Pella Windows and Door of Wisconsin, and of course, our friends at Palermo's Pizza. Okay, I, I mentioned this, and we had a brief discussion a couple weeks ago, because it's something that's been in the news a lot, and in all honesty, I, I don't think many news outlets have done a very good job of explaining what th- this is. And if you watch on TV news, you, you see a, a number of for example, pastors, predominantly from, you know, inner city churches who are disrupting or demonstrating. Um, for example, yesterday there was a story of how a coalition of pastors interrupted a Milwaukee Common Council meeting marching onto and around the council floor led by a Milwaukee pastor and an internet and the Indiana-based Rainbow Push Coalition. Dozens of protesters stormed onto the floor, circled the council floor, saying, we shall not be moved, carrying signs that said, Milwaukee churches matter, and calling for officials to end what they say is a, quote, tax and take practice by the city officials. Um, Senator Lena Taylor joined them in the latest protest action. Okay, so maybe you've seen these clips about this. So they're saying, well, what's happening is you've got the city of Milwaukee that is not supposed to tax churches. Churches aren't supposed to be taxed, but... But that's what the city is doing. And some of these taxes are are going into foreclosure. And these churches are going into foreclosure because they're being taxed illegal. And we have to stop this. And and one of the problems is that when you you have some of these stuff, and I I love it. For example, uh, stop, tax, and take. That's a great slogan. But... But if you don't understand what's really going on, it's tough to figure out, is this a problem or is it not? Okay, here here's the deal. And let me kind of explain this in general, because when you hear the term tax and take, it really lumps a whole bunch of things into one big bucket. Churches are exempt from paying taxes. But there are some exceptions. First, every two years... The Department of Revenue sends out a form to the the churches and, and other charitable organizations as well, requiring that they fill out this form and send it back, saying that they're still operating a, as a church. That the form, I am told, is extremely simple. It takes less than a minute to fill out and send back, um, but it says that we're, we're we're still a church. Well, why do they do this? Well, because churches relocate uh, you know over the course of, of two years a, a church that might have been on first in Wisconsin all right maybe they they decided maybe the church folded all right maybe the church moved from first in Wisconsin to property on third in Wisconsin so that property at first in Wisconsin is no longer being used for a church so it, it's it's a simple administrative requirement that says that, okay, every two years we send out this form and you simply have to certify that, yes, that this property is still being used as a church. All right, so that's that's number one. If you don't fill out the form and send it back, there is follow-up, 
And if you don't respond to the follow up, yes, you, you will. The, the city will then assume that if you haven't filled out this form that, yes, OK, it, it's no longer being used as a church. But the burden is on, again, the, the in this case, it's the church, but it would other be charitable organizations as well. You have to fill out the form. If you don't fill out the form, it creates a problem. So that's issue number one. Number two, even if you are a church, you still have obligations to pay like water bills and sewer bills. I mean, there, there isn't a free ride like that. So just like you know, every quarter, I think it's every quarter in Milwaukee or in most places, like every quarter you will get a notice from the municipality saying, okay, this is what your water bill is, this is what your sewer bill is, this is what you owe, all right? If you ignore that and you do not pay it, right, the way what the city will do is they will put a lien on, on your property. And it doesn't matter whether you're a church or an apartment owner or a homeowner. If you don't pay what you owe, you, you, it, it gets slapped as a lien. And if the liens, the amount of money gets too big or whatever, and you just decide that you're going to not pay this sooner or later, yes, there's a lien on your property and it may be that the city decides they're going to foreclose on your property. Now, I don't think that happens very often, but yes, it, it is true. The city will put liens on churches if the church does not pay the utilities it owns. So that's the second way that you can have a tax bill if you're a church. The third way that you can have a tax bill is if, as a church, you rent out some of your space for non-church-related facilities. So let's say um, I, I want to start a daycare center. So rather than – I've got two choices. I can start my daycare center – in in a private building on one corner, or there's a church on the other corner that has uh, again um, some vacant room in the basement or whatever, and the church decides, okay, we'll we'll rent out Jeff. You know, you can rent out our space to run this daycare center, and we're going to charge you X amount of dollars. Well, okay, if I'm using that then for a daycare center, that portion of the church property is no longer being used as a church. It's being used as a daycare center. And so there's a formula for this. But, yes, that portion of the property, which is being used, again, for the private daycare center, that portion is taxable. And, again, there's a formula for this. But the church can have to pay taxes if they're using a portion of the property for non, for better, one of a better phrase, non-church-related stuff. Right. So those that's kind of what tax and take is. It, it's all these things that are kind of rolled in together. You got to fill out the form to maintain your exemption. If you don't pay your utility bills, there can be a lien placed on the property. And if you rent out some of your space, you will have to pay tax on that portion of the space that has been rented out. All right. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you watch some of this coverage, you get the idea that the city of Milwaukee is just randomly trying to, without any basis at all, shut down churches and, and take them away. And we have to stop this. My response would be, look, 
and mark the tape on this, I don't think the city of Milwaukee is the bad guy here at all. I don't think it is unreasonable to say to any sort of charitable organization, including a church, that, yeah, there's this form once every two years you have to fill it out just to recertify that you're still using this property for the purpose that gets it off the tax rolls. If you're delinquent in your utility bills, my response is pay the utility bills. Then there won't be a tax lien put on. And if you rent out some of your space to be used for a daycare center or a kitchen or whatever it's going to be for private purposes, you got to pay for that. And if you don't pay taxes on that, well, okay, what do you think is going to happen? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I guess I hear all this conversation about tax and take, and there's this war on churches and things like that. I don't think anything could be farther from the truth. I mean, the reality is to get these tax breaks, I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect churches to have to jump through a couple of these hoops and pay what they need to pay. And if you're not paying your utility bills or you're renting out space and you're not paying taxes on that space you're renting out, what what is the city to do? 855-616-1620. We discuss. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, I, I don't, it's interesting for all the coverage this is getting, and I, I understand you have a bunch of, of pastors who storm on the common council floor and disrupt proceedings and walk around screaming, you know, no tax and take. I understand why that makes the TV news, but I, I think it's important to explain what this quote unquote tax and take is. And, and when, when people understand it, the question becomes, what, what's, what's the there there? you got to recertify every two years that the property is still tax-exempt. In other words, it's still be using, used as a church. It's a form that takes a minute, two minutes, three minutes to fill out. If you don't fill that out with the st- and send it back, it's going to cause a problem. If you don't pay your water bills, your sewer bills, yes, that's going to show up as a lien on the, the church. All right, well, wh- what, what is the alternative to just... I don't know, forgive the utility bills for churches. And and similarly, if you rent out some space in the church to a non-church business, you got to pay taxes on that portion. And if you don't pay taxes, yes, you you can get a lien placed. I don't see any problems with any of that. And it's not like there's a war on churches. It's just saying you've got a responsibility to do some of this stuff. And if you don't, there's going to be consequences. I'm sorry, Mike in uh, Mike in uh, Illinois. Hi, Mike. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. What do you think? I think it's absolutely reasonable. Uh, I think they should have to certify every year. Um, unfortunately, you know, dotted through Milwaukee and Chicago, I see a bunch of these churches. A lot of times they're in storefronts. Um, unfortunately, I believe some of them are from the very beginning set up to be a money making scheme. Uh, they use their they try to use their tax exempt status. Mm-hmm. Um, Further, I think some of these churches, they actually now get money from the federal government for some of their quote-unquote social programs. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, they should have to abide by uh, the rules that other people abide by if they are, you know, not yeah. truly just a, you know, church. Well, right. I mean, thanks. And these are, and these are, thanks for the call. These are, these are reasonable sort of restrictions. And, and by the way, this isn't something that is unique to churches that are in the city of Milwaukee. This form I'm talking about, it's actually, I've been referring to it as a city form, but it's actually a form that you have to fill out with the state. And if you don't send it into the State Department of Revenue, which is who I believe gets it, then what happens is the city gets notified from the State Department of Revenue. So, you know, what they do in Milwaukee is no different than what they do in Mequon. It's no different than what they do in Green Bay. It's no different than what they do in Kaukauna or Wausau. If you're, if you are 
operating, in this case, a church, you got to fill out this form every two years. And if you think about the whys, it, it makes it makes perfect sense. Churches fold, churches move. You all you simply have to certify again that it's still it's still being this property is being operated as a church. And like I say, for the other stuff, no sympathy from me at all. I mean, you, you've got to pay your water bills, you got to pay your sewer bills, and if you don't do that. Well, just like if you don't do that, there is going to be a lien that's going to be slapped on your property. If you don't do that, why should the churches, simply because they operate as a church, not have to pay water bills or not have to pay sewer bills? And similarly, again, if you rent out some of the space for a non-church-related for-profit operation, you got to pay tax on that portion of the property. It's just, I mean, it's not a perfect analogy, but some people take deductions for, for home offices. Well, okay, you can't deduct the entire house. You can deduct the portion of your house that's being used for the home office. That, that's It's an imperfect analogy, but it's out there. So when, when you see these stories and you see this stuff, oh, this is terrible. The city of Milwaukee is getting ready to close churches. And by the way, I don't know how much of a problem this really is. I think this has maybe happened to a, a handful of churches who haven't responded when they find out that there there's a problem. And nobody's in a hurry to foreclose on, you know, legitimate church operations, but there does come a responsibility to run run the churches. And for some of these politicians who are out there pandering, who think that they've got, oh, this is this, this huge issue here, let's jump on this one, maybe they could spend perhaps a third as much time, I don't know, perhaps going out to crime scenes and things like that, concentrating on issues that really are significant problems in the city of Milwaukee, for example, which is like an out-of-control crime rate. Is that too much to ask? Maybe so. And this is Jeff Wagner. It looks like the woke culture has claimed yet another victim. You ever watch Sunday Night Football? Their sideline reporter, Michelle Tafoya, the reports are is that she's out. After this season, she's been off the air for a few weeks. Uh, NBC is saying, well, she's having her own bye week. Well, she found herself at the site of a bunch of controversy because she went on The View. And the, uh, in mid-November, and of course, the View is the show with Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar, and and it's it's a very very liberal show, and they always have a token conservative on there. Uh, Michelle Tafoya was playing the role of the the token uh, conservative, and uh, apparently she created a bunch of controversy on the show that day because they were talking about COVID, and she made the statement that, well, the flu kills people too, which is, of course, a factual statement. But how dare anybody say that, you know, that even intimate that COVID might be anything like the flu. So that created a controversy. Then they were discussing Colin Kaepernick. And in this Netflix documentary on Kaepernick that just came out a while back, you know, Kaepernick talks about, he likens the NFL to slavery. And Michelle Tafoya weighed in and said, look, <laughs> this, this isn't slavery. I mean, th- this is a deal where you have athletes regardless of what their ethnicity is, who are extremely well-paid. Nobody forces them to play quarterback in the NFL or nobody forces them to be an offensive tackle in the NFL. They're comparing them to slaves is a bit rough. I mean, they are extremely well-paid. They play a very, very difficult game. But, you know, if you talk to the athletes, they'll tell you they love it. They're willing to do it. And by the way, they make a, quote, damn good thing, end quote. Apparently, those those remarks, 
questioning Colin Kaepernick, saying maybe participating in the NFL really isn't like slavery. That created a controversy at NBC, and apparently Michelle Tafoy is gone. Whether it's that, whether it's the fact that she's, I think, 56 years old, and because, you know, especially for women in the media, it's tough for women on TV, whether they're looking for a fresher face, don't know any of that, but the reports are Michelle Tafoya out at the end of the season on Sunday Night Football. Back with more in just a minute. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. We talk frequently on this program about the the, the scourge that is reckless driving. And, of course, a lot of it is, is around here at least, it's informed by the, the out-of-control crime, and a lot of reckless driving is the, the number of car thefts. You've got people that steal the cars, and then they're driving 95 miles an hour, blowing through red lights. And it, it's not all that, but that's a factor. By the way, the ongoing numbers, and uh, it, it's just it's amazing. It's sort of like this just revolving door here. In the city of Milwaukee, the most current numbers I have, stolen cars this year. 10,055, 10,055. This time last year, there were 4,120. For the entire year of 2020, there were 4,500 stolen cars. So right now we're at 10,000, I, I don't know, I, 11,000. I mean, we, hopefully it won't get to that many, but we still have another couple weeks left in, in the year. And it, it's very, very clear that on the mean streets of Milwaukee, we're not doing anything to deter people from stealing cars. And of course, one of the dazzling details is of other... Of the car thieves who have been caught this year, and it's really only a fraction of the ones who have actually stolen cars, but about 50% are 16 and under, which really tells you, as we talk about frequently on this program, that what we're doing in the juvenile justice system just does not work. But we talk about reckless driving. We talk a lot about how in so many areas you, you literally take your life in your hands when you're on the street. And for many of us, the, the fear of reckless driving, I don't think it's a perception, I, I think it's a reality, causes us to take different routes home, maybe rethink if we want to go into certain places or how we're going to get there. I'm just telling you, again, I don't think it's paranoia. I think it's just this this reality that, you know, after you've driven a particular stretch of road and you've seen X number of cars that have run through red lights or people that have been rear-ended or T-boned or all that sort of stuff, you just decide, hey, I'm, I'm going to try to find an alternative route. But we, we talk a lot about Milwaukee. But the truth of the matter is, while I think reckless driving is particularly bad in the city of Milwaukee, it's it's not limited to to Milwaukee, and it, it's it's interesting and very sad. I have a story out of the the Wisconsin State Journal that I was going to talk about to lead off this hour. It was slated in for the one o'clock hour, so I mean I have it here. Um, about twenty minutes ago, I received a, a text. Let me share the text with you, um, Jeff. If you want to talk about extra, out of control driving in Milwaukee, I want to add that it happens in other parts of the state as well. I just had two close friends killed yesterday morning in Madison, just after they had left a restaurant, which they frequent for breakfast, by a driver who sped through a red light. It happened in Cottage Grove Road and Highway 51. News sources in Madison have the account of it. Yeah, that's, and, and so, 
I, it really, I sent the person a note back saying, I'm sorry for your loss. And, and actually, this is the topic that I had, had prepared because I have in my hands the, the story. And um, actually, that text maybe flex, uh, fleshes out a little bit. But a triple fatal crash on the east side of Madison Tuesday morning was caused by a speeding driver who ran a red light and T-boned another vehicle, Madison police reported Wednesday morning. The crash, which also injured another person, happened around 9.20 a.m. at the intersection of Cottage Grove Road and Cottage Court near the eastern off-ramps of etc., etc. The driver of a gray sedan traveling west on Cottage Grove Road at a high rate of speed runs a red light and T-bones a black SUV. I'm looking at some of the pictures of this, and the the, the damage is just catastrophic, catastrophic. The speed limit on that section of Cottage Grove Road recently was cut to 25 miles per hour from 30 miles an hour. The drivers of both vehicles and a passenger in the black SUV died as a result of the crash, while the passenger in the sedan was taken to a local hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Uh, two of the people died at the scene. Third died after taken to a, a hospital. So, and of course, the, the text I got puts a puts a face on this because in this case, it, it's a couple people don't know their ages or anything like that, but they get together for breakfast. Can I see a show of hands? I mean, how many people out there get together, you know, for for breakfast? You know, so they have a breakfast. It's nine thirty in the morning. You're you're pulling away. Okay, time to go back to work or time to go home or whatever. And, and all of a sudden, you have a car traveling at a high rate of speed. It's a twenty five mile an hour zone. They haven't released how fast the car was going, but my guess is probably at least double the speed limit, probably even more than that. Blows through the red light, hits, and and now. You know, two people, well, actually three people, are, are are dead as a result of this. And this isn't Milwaukee. This is Madison. But it's something that, I guess, happens all over. So I, I we're, a lot of times when it comes to this just out-of-control crime and the reckless driving and stuff, I know we tend to be city of Milwaukee-centric because I think that's the sort of hot spot, if you will, for for a lot of the, the bad behavior and the reckless driving and things. But as a story like this points out, I, I don't think it's – it's unique. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's take Milwaukee out of the equation. City of Milwaukee, even let's take Milwaukee County out of the equation. Is reckless driving, is it a problem where you live? Do you see this on, on a regular basis? Because th- this story, again, out of Madison yesterday, this this is something that unfortunately you know, happens once, twice, I don't know, a week in the city of Milwaukee, but it's happening in Madison as well. I think it's happening all over the state. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this a problem that's limited to, say, like one geographic area, or is it an overall problem? And the truth is, I, I think it's an overall problem. And so as much as we want to say, well, this, this, it's exclusively Milwaukee, and I think it's really bad in Milwaukee, and I think the out-of-control car thefts in Milwaukee and can certainly contributes to a lot of that. But if we think that if you live, I don't know, you live in Fond du Lac, you're exempt from this, or you live in Madison, you're exempt from this, I, I think you're you're deluding yourself. 855-616-1620, we discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with uh, John on the north side. John, good afternoon. Good afternoon. 
Hi, how you doing there, Jeff? Hi, John. Uh, I'm an Uber and Lyft driver, man. I go all over. And it's, it's tur- yeah, naturally Milwaukee. But, I mean, I'm by the airport. I'm everywhere, man. You know, I'm in Macquan, Kingsville. Drivers are just, everybody's crazy. <laughs> what 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 do you think it is? I mean, I think it's a lot worse than it used to be too. I I mean, it it just it seems like I can't drive anywhere, you know, in any given day without watching somebody blow through a red light or somebody, you know, drive and all of a sudden they're tailgating you and then they pass you on the right and they're doing they're 40 miles an hour over the speed limit. I I, I mean, it does seem to me it's gotten a lot worse over the last couple of years. If there's anything I hate worse than a tip, somebody telling me, I mean, they'd be right on your tail, man. I mean, if you got to stop or slow down, oh, yeah. they're going to rear in you, you know. And, and I'm hoping that they got license and insurance. Yeah. But then, you know, I got people in the car with me, and I'm, I'm thinking, man, what's this guy doing? He's right, yeah. he's right on me, you know. Oh, oh a- absolutely. It's, it's trouble, man. Well, and then um, thanks. It's everywhere. It, it ain't just Milwaukee. It's no. not just Milwaukee. Well, no, I mean, thanks. So I and see that that's kind of my sense too. Now, I think it's particularly bad in Milwaukee, but that doesn't mean you're immune from this. Yeah. And, and we really haven't had too much bad weather. I mean, you, you watch these people that are tailgating you at high rates of speed. You, you know, as soon as you get some snow and ice, it's going to be just a, a free-for-all out there. Jeff, the uh, Oshkosh definitely isn't immune to reckless driving. My final month of my last lease, I lived right off the uh, Wisconsin Oshkosh campus. There were two vehicle accidents at the same intersection outside my house. One of the accidents was a drunk who crashed and totally destroyed my neighbor's porch across the street. I, I don't believe it was reported because most of the accidents don't unless they're a fatality. After living off campus for two years, though, I can confirm people went 40 miles an hour on my residential street on an hourly basis. Um, I believe some of this is because law enforcement was advised to limit contact with the public as much as possible at the start of the pandemic, and traffic enforcement hasn't been the same since. Well, I think there's a, an element of that. Jeff, in the Dells, we don't go when the light turns green for a few seconds because um, you know people routinely run red lights. We waited once, and then a truck going 10 over the limit ran a red light would have killed us. 855-616-1620. There is an intersection. I've told story there, there's an intersection on the way I, I come into work and i do not come the most direct route because i choose to avoid capital drive if i possibly can around here by the studio is because you know i it just it's it's crazy so i mean i, I kind of go a roundabout way to get here but um you know there, there's an intersection that you go through and you quickly learn that when the light turns green if you're waiting at it you don't go because there's a better than even chance that somebody's going to be running a red light. And if you go, when it's your turn to go, you're going to get smashed into by a car who's going in what should be a 25-mile-an-hour zone, going 60 miles an hour to try to get through the damn red light. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to uh, Sarah. Sarah, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Hi, I am one of those people who got... Uh, cross between a T-bone and a rear end um, on a red light in one of the Madison area interchanges, mm-hmm. one of the big ones. I had cleared five lanes of traffic on a green light before the driver ran through the red. So, I mean, it was way not paying attention at all. Right. But I I was, I was worked for an industry that we were not shut down, and I had a commute to Janesville and Beloit area during COVID, so I had all the free open roads, you know, the interstate with nobody on it. And now that it's like everybody's suddenly gotten out from not driving anywhere, they don't know how to drive. They don't care. Every day I see someone at least blowing through one red light. 
Right. Um, so I, I too avoid interchanges. Well, I avoid the one that I got hit at, like the plague. Right. Um, and I will go back ways to just kind of protect myself a little bit now. You know, part of it is, and I'm getting a number of texts where, where people are saying, well, well, part of it is distracted driving, you know, people on phones not paying attention. And I think, Sarah, there, there's some of it, but I, I actually think it's more than that. I mean, I, like the situation you're talking about, it doesn't sound like it's a distracted driver. It's somebody, I don't want to wait at the light, so here, I'm, I'm going to hit the gas and I'm going to floor it and see if I can get through. I, I, I think it's more than distracted driving. Well, I do too, and I see that uh, we down here um, in the James and Beloit area, we do the same thing. Green light doesn't mean go, it means wait five seconds yeah. to see who's going to blow through to save yourself and then you go yeah exactly no thing and and again it maybe it's a lack of enforcement but but this is this ongoing problem and i I mean i again this story caught my attention and then particularly when one of our one of our listeners texted and said i I knew the two people that were killed it's 9 30 in the morning you're you're going out for breakfast with a friend and next thing you know some idiot blows through a red light at a high rate of speed and you're, you're dead uh jeff this is scott from madison i live right off of cottage grove road by that accident it's just awful. Madison is terrible for people running red lights, going 70 on the belt line, traffic weaving, even being a defensive driver might not be enough to save me. 855-616-1620. Stephanie in West Bend. Stephanie, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, I just wanted to add in a couple things. Um, one, I constantly see drivers, I mean, as long as my family's on the house, that we're in since 1953 um it's been a long complaint of my grandfather and now i've inherited his complaint that just the excess speed going past our house in the residential neighborhood and yeah. taking it a step further now more recently i even hesitate on left uh left green arrows oh yeah just, oh yeah just in case yeah you know it's which in- drives my husband nuts but <laughs> You know, well, well, no, you 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 have to wait because you just you just never know. You know, when you were talking about the, the outside your house, there was a story um, in on TV a couple days ago down here where you had there was a guy in Milwaukee who was so frustrated with the speed that that what he did is he he grabbed a couple like barricades and he put in his own little roundabout you know outside his house to try to slow down traffic and 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 you know all the neighbors were applauding him. Now it, it's only going to work so long because you got to have snowplow that get through and stuff but but yeah it's it's just crazy out there stephanie and and i think i mean i just really do believe it's getting worse yeah i 100 percent agree um thanks to call i appreciate it be safe let's talk to john and appleton john you're on wtmj hello hi john hi john um you know i drive between hello are you there yeah we're here go ahead we can hear you oh yeah so I drive between Appleton and Green Bay quite a bit, and you only have to pass one or two cars before you see someone texting. Mm-hmm. And everyone's driving 75, 80 miles an hour. They're bumper to bumper, three feet off the car in front of them, not looking up. Yep. They're looking at their phone. And, you know, there, there, there's no way to police it. The, the police aren't going to be able to see you looking down or glancing down as you right. drive. But if you're driving and you're passing these cars, it is nonstop the number of people who are staring at their phones. Yeah. 
Yep, yep, yep. And we can tell people don't text and drive, but nobody listens. No, thank, I, I think that's I, that. That is definitely a factor, and they're clearly. I'm not downplaying distracted driving, but I, I do think it's. I just think it's more pervasive than that. Jeff, I live in Ozaki County. It's horrible out here. These people, there are constant idiots that are on the road. Um, Jeff, this is another reason to have red light cameras. I, I see. I'm. I'm a. I would support red light cameras. Jeff, Oconomowoc is the running of the red light capital of the world. Well, that's 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 saying a whole lot. But I understand that's understand that there is an element of this. Number of people are texting in saying, "Look, that um, you know, part of the problem too is that um, under." Under Governor Evers, the, the DMV has decided that they, they don't want to make young drivers take license tests. And so you have kids that get their license and they never have to prove that they know how to drive. And I, I think that's a fair issue as well. There's all these different things that are going on here. But the bottom line is it's got to stop. And this is I bring this up because I, I think sometimes when we talk about Milwaukee centric things, people say, OK, well, you know, the, the crime problems, a huge problem in Milwaukee. Well, we'll avoid Milwaukee. The the reckless driving problem is a huge problem in Milwaukee. We'll avoid that. And, and that's that, that's true. It's a huge crime problem. There's a huge reckless driving problem. But we can't lose sight of the fact that this is going on all over. Maybe not to the complete degree that you see in the city of Milwaukee, but it, it's a statewide problem. And people are dying. And they're dying on a daily basis. And that's just unacceptable. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff, I live in Kenosha County, and it's bad here as well. I feel it's a two-pronged problem. First, many people seem to have forgotten how to drive from the COVID shutdown. And second, um, there's a complete disregard for the police and the law. Down here, I see people pull up to the red light, look both ways, and then drive right through as if it was a stop sign because people around here, unfortunately, do not think the cops have the authority to enforce the law. One more text. Jeff, I'm a home care nurse. I drive pretty much all over the city of Milwaukee. I have stopped going initially when the light turns green due to a number of people going through the red lights. I see at least one fairly significant accident a day currently. Um, Currently, I'm looking at one on 28th and Capitol. I've also had the misfortune of having been hit by somebody going through a red light that I later timed that it was at least 33 seconds after the lights had turned green in my direction. So it's like, okay, I'm in there with the green. I've been, the light's been green for 30 seconds, and still somebody's running the red light. And again, that's somebody either not paying attention or, here, we're going to treat this as a stop sign, and we're going to treat, you know, the, the automobiles as kind of like a real-life version of the game Frogger, if you remember the old video game Frogger. It, it's a problem all over. It's bad in Milwaukee, but we we got to figure out a way to get a handle on this. And I think, again, part of it's more aggressive law enforcement, because until we do, people are going to keep dying. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Uh, Let's see. 
Please join Good Karma Brands, 620 WTMJ and the 3rd Street Market Hall for a United for Waukesha charity event. It's going to be next Wednesday, December 22nd. Your $100 ticket includes food samples from the future 3rd Street Market Hall vendors, steak from Carnivore, and two drink tickets for the bar. Plus, <clears throat> former Brewers all-star catcher Jonathan LaCroix will be in attendance. The event will take place on December 22nd from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. with 100% of the proceeds benefiting those affected by the tragedy at this year's Waukesha Christmas Parade. For tickets or additional information, text the word TICKET to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Let me me give you a little bit of the background on that. That that 3rd Street Market Hall is that's going to be the area where at some point in time our WTMJ studios are going to be. The um, I think a lot of people know that um, a couple of years ago, um, what happened was the radio station, WTMJ, and our sister station now, you know, ES, the ESPN radio, we were um, purchased from Scripps, which is a big TV company, and by, by Good Karma Brands, which has actually turned out to be a, the, one of the best things that could have possibly happened. I'm a huge fan of Good Karma Brands. But ever since then, Good Karma Brands, we have been renting space in in Radio City here on on Humboldt and and Capitol. And after a lot of consideration, the decision was made to to move. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But we're going to be moving, and we're going to be moving into the Avenue, which is the former Grand Avenue. And there's going to be, I think all our office space is going to be on the second floor. I was down there about a year and a half ago, and, and I saw it when it was in the conceptual stage. And the studios are actually going to be off the, the food hall, and they're going to be glassed-in studios. And I, 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 they've been explained to me how they're going to work, but I'm still having trouble quite visualizing them. But, you know, we're, we're going to be in these glassed-in booths. And so people who are patronizing the, the food hall – can can walk by and, and see us doing our shows, not unlike you know how it works at State Fair Park. So th- this is an event that's you know designed to raise you know money for United for Waukesha charity, but it's going to be in that area where ultimately um, our WTMJ studios are going to be. Everybody always asks when the move is going to take place, and the answer is that's I don't know if it's a decision that's made at a at a higher pay grade than mine, but it's certainly a different pay grade than mine. Um, I would imagine. That from a broadcasting perspective, the the actual broadcasting, the, the studios are going to be kind of the last thing to to go in because just of the work that's there. But I would imagine sometime this summer. I think that's what I'm I'm hearing. It's it's not going to be first quarter, at least not for the, the studios. But it's sometime this summer, I would guess. So in any event. Participate in this charity event, uh, money for a great cause, and you get to see what what the building is going to look like. And you, along with me, can imagine what uh, what the WTMJ studios are going to look like, and we're going to, we're going to be working from um, several months from now. Okay, I'm always I'm always amazed at at what causes people to to send texts. For example, over the last couple of weeks, I, I read these commercials. I do these ads for. What I say is pajama gram. And, you know, like yesterday there was somebody, well, you're mispronouncing the word pajama. It's pajama, don't you know? And I'm like, well, no, I say pajama. And, and actually both, both are correct pronunciations and you say pajama and I say pajama. And all right. So that's, that's what causes you to, to send a note. There's another word that's like that as well. And it depends on what part of the country you grew up in. Um, if you are, for example, from the Dakotas, the word um, C-O-Y-O-T-E, it's pronounced coyote. 
that, that's it. The E is is silent. And so you can always tell, again, when, when people pronounce it, if, if you went, for example, to the University of South Dakota in Vermilion, South Dakota, their, their mascot, they were the, the coyotes. It wasn't you're the coyotes. They were the coyotes. That's just how that word is pronounced in, in the Dakotas. Um, for a large part of the country, particularly people whose only contact with that particular animal was watching the old Roadrunner cartoons and they had Wiley Coyote, you, you say coyote. So it's, there's not, I don't know that there's necessarily one particularly accurate pronunciation or only one acceptable one. Coyote is more common than coyote, but I, I, I've always said coyote. Regardless of, you know, you say potato, I say potato. Coyotes or coyotes, if you prefer, are, they're, they're nasty animals and, and they're back. There's a story in the Journal Sentinel today that caught my attention. It started as a normal Saturday morning for Adrienne Burgoyne. After letting her two Yorkies outside, she stood near the back porch of her Wauwatosa home in the Fishers Woods neighborhood. Moments later, tragedy struck. A coyote, or coyote, grabbed one of the Yorkies, a 15-year-old named Brady, by the neck and began to shake him. There was no time for me to make noise or divert him away. Uh, the the animal then dragged the, the Yorkie, and ultimately they had to euthanize him. It's just, it's terrible. So, but but the, the, the couple who own the dog, they're saying that the city needs to take actions to address this group of coyotes that they say is terrorizing their neighborhood. They say, we're fine with people saying they're sympathetic and sending condolences, but what we want is for the city to stop this and to put this policy into effect. Now, um, you know, the city of Wauwatosa, apparently they have a coyote nuisance management and response plan policy, which they put out in 2016 after coyotes killed two pet dogs in Wauwatosa in 2015. And it, it says, OK, we're going to we're, we're going to bring out professionals to start to deal with this. Um, the DNR says you're on your own. The DNR says, you know, we, we're not even going to bother with this. And what's happening is these folks who live in Wauwatosa are saying, look, how many more pets need to die before this type of thing, you know, happens? I have friends who live in Whitefish Bay, and I've told this story before. There's all sorts of these animals that congregate on the bluffs, and what they do is they come into people's yards, and I have a couple friends who lost a couple cats. They had the cats outside, and the, these animals got them, and their concern is, at the time, they had small children. You know, what what happens if you have a small child that, that's out there playing and is unattended and one of these things, you know, come out? So these are back, and what they're doing is they are killing animals. Now, the DNR says, well, okay, um, if, if you encounter coyotes in the wild, you know, here's what we do. Say, don't feed them. Don't provide food and water for other wildlife. Um, clear brush and undergrowth in your yard you can install six to seven foot high fences buried approximately a foot deep to help keep coyotes out of an area put fences around yeah put big chain link fences around six feet to try to keep the coyotes out of your area our number is 855-616-1620 that is the that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line i I guess here's my concern about this as as the coyotes have migrated um, south and east into our areas 
where you don't have aggressive hunting plans or things like that, they have become more naturally comfortable being around people. And so they're, they're not scared off. They're not afraid to come into people's backyards. They're not afraid to uh, attack small dogs and things of the like. And in many cases, we're told by officials, you just got to live with this. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, admittedly, this is from my perspective um, as, as an owner of a small dog. Uh, who is not just let out to run. I mean, she's always with either my wife or I on on a leash. So I I don't necessarily, but I'm always kind of conscious about, hey, you know, where I live, is it possible that you're going to have one of these these coyotes that's going to say, okay, see my little dog and think of it as lunch and try to make a a dash for her, and could she get there before I'm able to pick her up or whatever? But I, I just, I don't think... These animals belong in urban areas, and I guess the bigger issue is I'm not sure our local officials take them seriously enough. 855-616-1620, we discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I live in Racine. We have the same problem. I also have two small dogs, and city officials do not want to do anything about this at all uh jeff i have a um let's see i have a doberman and a fence down fence down yard we're allowed a three feet fence and has to be a picket fence in brookfield i also have um a coyote a pack a large pack of coyotes right behind me my dog is bigger than the coyotes but i always go out with my dog when he's outside um i love the coyotes here i love to hear them howl and they keep the rabbits and squirrels away well that's that's i guess that is the sort of trade-off i'm sorry i do not think animals like this belong in urban areas i i just i, I just don't and i i understand that okay you know so so they're killing pets what what what's the big deal well okay i guess i think that that's a a big deal and for people who say well you shouldn't leave your pets unattended oh okay that 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 now means that because you have these out of control predators you can't put your dog out in its backyard or something like that you just you you can't let the dog run free in the backyard all right is that really the trade-off that people want to make let's start with rain and brown deer good afternoon hey jeff thanks for taking my call i uh got into it with some people on facebook a while back there were some coyote sightings in bayview and people defend them i mean it's cool you know to see the, the coyote but but they're dangerous yeah uh, there, there's an animal. There's a small child attack in Chicago a few years ago. A full-grown man. Um, the New York Times reported on it. I think to get rabies, you could, uh, you could get, you know, in trouble that way. People lose their minds about off-leash dogs and parts, but you're yeah. going to have a, you know, a wild animal doing that. Um, in up north, they have wolves. You know, but I mean, and what they do is, you know, if you see a wolf out where your kid gets on the bus, I mean. They take care of them. I, mean, right. I think they should be shot. Well, you know, it's, I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, it, it, I mean, here, here's the. I mean, the, the, this is the the thing that's going to happen sooner or later. You're going to have a small child which is attacked by one of these things, and and, and that's that's. I, I mean, there have been reports of this 
before, but you're going to have, especially as they get bolder and bolder and they're not afraid of people and things like that, you're, you're going to have a small child. You're going to have, you know, the kid that's playing, you know, in, in the sandbox outside, you know, in the backyard by the kitchen door while mom is washing the dishes or, or whatever, or dad's listening to the ball game. And all of a sudden you're going to have, it, it's going to happen. Mark my words. It, it's going to happen because if right now you've got these things that are bold enough to come into people's yards and kill dogs, well, you know that that's not far behind. And so, look, I, I do I think that you can, I don't know, undertake one of these programs where you go through and try to kill every coyote? No, I, I don't think that that's practical. But what you can do is try to adopt policies that deter them and recognize that if you've got large coyote populations living in, in the woods behind your place in an urban area, maybe maybe you need to start trapping them because nothing, something bad's going to happen. Rob on the North Shore. Rob, you're on WTMJ. Uh, good afternoon. How you doing? Hi, Rob. What do you yeah, think? I have an uh, issue with a coyote that we've called to try to have it removed. It, it was actually one, but he's, well, there's actually three. I'm on the north side, uh, subdivision off of 91st Street. I've got the biggest lot in the subdivision, and every night, every, every night he comes uh, out and sits on the basketball court. My wife won't even go outside anymore. I mean, she's paranoid. She has to mm-hmm. wait till I get home to let the two dogs out. And they were going to charge $450 to put a trap out. When the coyote was trapped, it would be another 450 to uh, come and pick them up. And I think that's ridiculous. I mean, and now we're in a situation where she won't take the dogs out. It's yeah. Waiting for me to come home, the dogs are in the house all day. And I, I don't get it. I mean, it's, it's bad. And that, like I say, we're... You know, basically, urban, I mean, 91st Street is the main drag. Yeah. They hang out in this one little spot, and it's just like, you know, I have to turn my lights on a basketball court. Yeah. That deters them somewhat. They say likes and whatnot, but it's just like, it's, it's just not. She won't go outside at nighttime, period. She comes home, she opens the garage, she pulls right. in, and that's it. Right. Yeah, well, exactly. And the idea of, yeah, I mean, and, and this is, so it's it's your quality of life that's being impacted because we have the, these wild animals that really don't belong in those urban areas, and nobody wants to do anything about it. Yeah, and this thing is huge. It's not like a little cut. This thing is huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm... I'm afraid of it myself. You know, I go out with a flashlight and a stick in my hand, and it's like, and when they talk about six or seven foot fence, that's not true. You got to have at least an eight foot fence, <laughs> and you want that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pulled off at the top. You can look at a video on YouTube. You YouTube it. There's a dog, a coyote that jumped over an eight foot fence and jumped back over it with no problem. Absolutely. No, I'm. I'm. Thanks, John. I'm with you. Here's a text, John. It's not just small animals. My 50 pound lab was attacked by a coyote right on my back porch door. I was able to shoo it away, but it reluctantly left my uh, yard. My dog had to have emergency surgery to clean and bandage the wounds. Over one thousand dollars in medical bills, which I could barely afford at the time, but I ended up loving my dog. That, that's John from Fox Point. Well, sure, that's what you're going to do. I, I guess, look, just pay attention because I come this way but once. Here, here's the bottom line on all this. Th- this is a problem. I understand there's people who just want to throw up their hands and say there's nothing they can do. Once these things start attacking children, and they will, all right, at that point in time, are we going to decide that we're going to get aggressive on this? I mean, how many how many pets are going to have to die because of this? How many people are going to be not able to enjoy their properties because they essentially become prisoners in their home because we've got these animals that have now migrated into this area because we don't do anything about them? How much more of this stuff is going to go on before we say enough is enough? Just asking. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, very glad to have you with us. All right. Uh, the college football season, the main regular part of the season, is is now over. So what happens is there's all these bowl games, and there's going to be the the football championships. I think the the first two games are played on um, is it Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve or, or whatever. So so you've got that New Year's Eve, I guess, would be when those games are. So you've got all that going on. So you have a lot of these college athletes who are now like preparing for what, in some cases, may be their their final game. You know, they're going to graduate or they're going to put their names in the NFL draft and all those things. And they're going to p- go play for their college team in one of these bowl games. Well, here's a story that's out there. There's there's a quarterback from Nevada. That that's the or Nevada, if you want to say it that way. His name is Carson Strong, and the Nevada team. They're eight and four. They're scheduled to play in a bowl game against Western Michigan on December 27th. It's the Quick Lane Bowl at Detroit's Ford Field. All right. Carson Strong, the quarterback, has said that he's not playing. He said he's going to skip the, this bowl game later the month, this month. He says despite the fact that he's got two seasons of eligibility remaining at Nevada so he can continue playing college, he wants to declare for the NFL draft. So he's essentially saying, I, I'm done. I, I played with my team. He's been the quarterback for a couple years. He was the um, – Let's see, in the just-completed season, career-best, 70.2% of his attempts, 36 touchdown passes, set a program record. And he says, look, I, I've, I've just had this this great career here, had a great season, but you know what? I've decided I'm, I'm done. I, I don't want to participate anymore, undoubtedly because, uh, I'm sure there's a couple reasons, but one is, I'm sure he's got a concern that I don't want to get injured. You know, I'm I'm going to go in the NFL draft. I think I'm going to get selected in the NFL draft, and I think why well, he doesn't come out and specifically say it, part of his concern is that he's, hey, I, if I might be playing in this game and might get hurt. All right, our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This decision obviously leaves his team in, in a big hole. Apparently, they only have two other quarterbacks that are on the roster, one who didn't play at all and one who was kind of the backup. But now they're going into this bowl game and not because of an injury, simply because you've got the quarterback who doesn't want to participate anymore. He's decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to bail, and now the team is clearly at a significant disadvantage. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, here's my question. Do you fault this college student for, well, I'm going to use the phrase bailing on his team. Now, and you might think that that's too harsh, but, you know, he, he's decided he's healthy, but he he wants to go to the NFL. He thinks he's going to get drafted. So he just doesn't he doesn't want to risk it, doesn't want to risk getting hurt. Maybe he doesn't want to risk playing poorly, et cetera, et cetera. But his team's chances of winning this game you know, drop dramatically because he's the starting quarterback. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, if Aaron Rodgers says, I, I for whatever reason, I, I, I don't want to play, and you got to put up Jordan Love or you got to put up somebody else, you know, the Packers' chances of winning decrease dramatically. His justification for it is, 
well, I'm going to go to the NFL and, you know, I, I just don't want to play another college game. Do you fault him? Has he betrayed or let down his team? Or is this just, well, a logical decision? Hey, you know, he's pretty much done with his college career. He wants to play pro ball. Why risk it? 855-616-1620. I'll tell you where I come down on this and we'll discuss in just a moment. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, so if you're just tuning in, here's the deal. The the star quarterback at the University of Nevada, um, he has decided he's done with college football. He's going to put his name in the NBA, in the, NBA, in the NFL draft. But the, the thing is, the school still has one more game to play. They've got a bowl game that's coming up December 27th, and he says, well, I've decided I don't want to play in, in the bowl game. I'm just I'm, I'm done with my college career. Um, undoubtedly, he doesn't want to get injured. He's probably concerned if he plays badly. Does that hurt his draft standing? But the problem is, by him not playing, he's really left his team in the lurch because they have only two other quarterbacks on the roster, one who hasn't played at all and one who was the backup. So by bailing, and I guess that's the term I'm using, by leaving early, by not finishing out the season, is he betraying his team? 855-616-1620. The answer to me, it's, it's yes. I mean, clearly he's, he's leaving his team in the lurch. I guess the other question then is, though, I mean, do you fault him for, for doing this? I mean, at what point in time, if he feels that it's in his best interest not to risk injury, um, do, do you fault him because he thinks he can make a lot of money in the NFL? So is this just smart of the kid to do it? Let's start with Bob in New Berlin. Hi, Bob. You're on WTMJ. Oh, hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. You know, I, I, I come down on it uh, like you like you said. I, I agree with your, your position on this. Uh, football, to me, by its very nature, is a risky sport. I mean, you can, you can get injured at any time. And by not playing, ironically, it, my thought is by not playing, he may decrease the value, his value in the draft. Because now people are going to look at him and say, you know, uh, the guy quit on his team on his bowl game. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. going to quit on us at some point, you know, so that may that may decrease his value in and of itself. Other than the fact that I think, I think he's got a commitment to that team, you know, to play. So what that, do you think about the? Co- what do you think about oh, over the last couple of weeks? There's been a number of high-profile coaches who have bailed on their teams to go elsewhere while the seasons were still in place. You know, the the Notre Dame coach left to take the job at LSU. The Oklahoma coach left to take the job at USC. So th- those those coaches have all bailed for bigger money and stuff. Do you fault them? Well, I, I, think so. I, th- I think it depends on how their contracts are written, too, yeah. whether or not it allows them to even do that in the first place, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know what? Commitment these days doesn't seem to be as big of a deal as yeah. it used to be. Oh, no, no. Thanks. You're, you're exactly. I mean, thanks. For, I mean, I guess that when I was thinking about this story, um, you know, that, that's that, that, that's sort of it. You say, has, has he let down his team? Yes, he's let down his team. I mean, there's no question about it. But at the same time, I guess the thing becomes, all right, if, if he's ready to move on with his career, does it does it make sense to do this? And given the fact coaches, 
apparently show absolutely no loyalty at all. And that's that's one of the things that we've seen. I mean, these coaches, if they've got a better offer or a better deal or a few more million dollars, because Lord knows how can you get by on seven million dollars when somebody's going to offer you nine million, they, they they seem to go in a heartbeat. So if if that's the deal, I guess it's tough for me to fault the kid for for doing this doing this too now you know does the nfl look at it and say well he left the last year he left before the last game i don't know i mean i i think a lot of the i don't think the nfl cares about that i think a lot of the nfl it's just going to be the question of you know can he throw the ball or or whatever and because i do understand you have had these situations where you have these star players who've you know gotten hurt in their senior year and it's cost them you know millions of dollars so is he bailing on his team yeah he's he's clearly bailing on his team do I fault him for doing it? Well, I understand why he's doing it. And if coaches do it, it's tough to say, gee, to the kids, you know, that, that you can't do it. Let's talk to Brian, who's calling us from Illinois. Hi, Brian. You're in WTMJ. Hey there, Jeff. How you doing, bud? I'm, I'm good. What do you think? Okay, is the kid, should we criticize the kid for doing this? Well, no, but but I've got an answer to it. Uh, the monkeys are running the zoo, Jeff. And what I mean by that is, by this player doing it, he's not the first one. Certainly no. this has come up ever since BCS went with the top four in the playoffs. Right. The rest of the bowls don't matter. If you're not in the top four, what's the point? If I were the kid, I'd do the same thing. I mean, he doesn't want to get hurt, which would reduce his value, possibly, yeah. in the NFL. Sure. I don't blame him for that. But this is my suggestion. If this is the environment that we're in now, and these kids are doing it, he's not the only one. Right. Okay, before the season starts in college football, I think the NCAA or else the schools themselves should put in a policy that at the end of the season, if we're not in the top four and we're in a bowl game, so you decide it's not relevant, then you're going to decide, okay, I'm going to pull myself out, then you, you forfeit your scholarship to attend that university for that entire year. So you got to pay that tuition out of your own pocket. And God knows, Jeff, that if they sign a big, fat NFL contract the next year because they didn't get hurt in the final game of the season, they'll have no problem paying for one year's of tuition. Yeah, I guess That's the problem, yeah, I mean, thanks to call, Brian. I mean, I, a couple of people are making, like, variations of that same suggestion. I guess my problem is I try to think of how, how enforceable that is because, for example, this is not unique, but a, a lot, not all, but many, many athletes, after they complete their eligibility, their their, their interest in school, it, it just kind of goes down to zero. So, I mean, if the young man has declared for the NFL draft, I don't know how much of a penalty it is to say, okay, you know, you're, you're not going to get your scholarship for your second semester, you know, after the season's ended. Um, I, I don't know how much of a of a threat that really is, because you, how, how important is that? And to your point, if you sign an NFL contract, well, you, you can pay for it anyways. Um, as far as then trying to collect for the first semester, yeah, that might be more trouble than it's worth. But I, I understand, you know, the idea of trying to force them to honor the commitment. I just don't know how much leverage, as a in a real world situation, how much leverage do these schools have, and would it make any difference, you know, really? Anyways, because the bigger problem that this school is going to have is their their star player, their best player. He's not going to be there one way or the other. So that that's what influences this and and making them commit. 
making him sign a paper to commit to play in a bowl game. I don't know. My, my guess is that that might not be worth the paper it's printed on. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to uh, Jeff in Menominee Falls. Jeff, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What do you think? So my thoughts on this player is I'm, I'm completely against him bailing out on his, his team and his coaches uh, for, for skipping this this, game, this bowl game. He's a football player, especially as a quarterback. He's a leader on the team. And for him to bail out and, and play like he doesn't want to get hurt is, is uh, I'm sorry to say, but playing cowardly. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's going to be an NFL player, what kind of NFL coach is going to want a player that's playing afraid of getting hurt? Well, but is it cowardly? Is it cowardly or is it smart? Is this, for example, there will be NFL teams who the last game or two of the season, if like if if the if the Packers, this isn't going to happen. But like I say, if the Packers had nothing to play for the last two games, let's say they're they're. Playoff seeding is guaranteed. It's locked in. So whether they beat Detroit on the last day of the year or not doesn't make any difference. If, if an NFL coach says, hey, I'm, I'm going to sit a, a lot of my starters because I want to rest them or I don't want to risk injury, is, is that cowardly or is that smart? Well, that's a coach's decision to make. Right. Um, I agree right. with you. If the game has no consequence, then you sit the player down and, and preserve him for a future game. But this is the bowl game, and every yep. game has – uh, meaning to it. As a football player, I, I used to be sure. a football coach for, for the younger guys. But sure. uh, every game has meaning to it, and you play your heart out. And yes, there's a risk of getting injured, but that's part of playing the game. Right. No, I got it. No, thanks. And I, I certainly appreciate that. I mean, I, I wrestle with this sort of thing, and I think I get the, the thing that really start, made me think about that, though, is when I've seen all these college coaches who, you know, talk about, oh, we're, we're, this is the team, and we're a team, and we're a team. But, yeah, it's, you know, middle, middle of the year. I mean, the Notre Dame coach bails when Notre Dame still had a chance to be one of the top four teams to play in the NCAA, you know, football playoffs. And he still leaves because, you know, he's got this, this better deal that, that's out there. So I, I understand you've got the whole question of loyalty and things like that, but I really wonder if it's if it's kind of a two-way street. And, and this, this young man, his name is Carson Strong, He's not the first guy that, that, that have done it. There, there's several, matter of fact, a lot of high-profile players that are in the NFL now have, have done ex- exactly the same thing. You know, you had some basketball players who I think pulled out, um, you know, of the NCAA tournament, which is almost unthinkable to me because, again, they didn't want to risk injury. Do I think that that ultimately hurts their, their draft status? You know, probably not because, you know, if, they're, if the NFL or the NBA or whatever thinks that they've got talent – and that they can develop it. I don't think they're going to care whether they played in a bowl game or not. But I will say this. If I was a fan of the team and I had spent my hard-earned money and season tickets and jerseys and things like that, I understand what the kid is doing, but would I be disappointed? You bet. All right, when we come back, we're going to find out what Eric Bilstadl has on his mind for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.